Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests today, and there'll be several on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. They will include a super high-profile Pac-12 football coach, David Shaw, Stanford, live in a half hour. Are his players asking to transfer? We'll ask him. Should they be allowed to? We'll ask him. Plus, Bob Costas in an hour. And Jalen Rose preaching on Get Up This Morning. You will get your chance to respond at the end of this hour. But we begin with this. Luca lists to his left, shoots a three, and connects. Luca with 19, 6, and 7 in the first half. If you were starting an NBA team right now and you could have your first choice of any human being walking the face of planet Earth, you started with Luka Doncic. And that's it. Nine to shoot. Luka on the drive. Floats it in. Dallas by 12 with 90 seconds to go. Put it to bed. Clippers are in trouble. Are they going to be able to adjust for game three to take control of this series? I'm not so sure about it right now. They're a good team. This goes to show you the West is, is tough. AFC just beat the first team yesterday. The West is tough. It's a tough conference. Oh, we've got trouble in the Western Conference of the NBA in the bubble. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. That was the question I asked to Tim Legler. I'll ask it of myself now. The Clippers have been a lot of people's championship pick since before the season began. Not mine, but many other people. The question is, are they in trouble in this first round? And the answer is yes. If you made me bet an amount of money that mattered to me, I would still take them to win this series. But this is not going to be easy. Because in every quarter of the two games that have been played so far that Kristaps Porzingis was eligible, the Mavericks have been the better team. If he doesn't get thrown out of game one, I continue to say disgracefully, they were going to score about 130 points in that game. They scored 127 last night. The Clippers are a great defensive team, and they are being worked by this Mavericks offense, which was one of the great offenses in the history of the sport by the numbers, and they're backing it up. And they got a lot of contributions last night. Their bench was sensational last night. Boban comes off the bench and gives them big minutes. Seth Curry comes off the bench and gives them big minutes. But this is all about Luka. Legs this morning said on my show, you heard a little clip of him there, said this is, we are entering the decade of Luka. And that's what it is. This is about to become Luka's league. The NBA is going to be Luka's league when the current generation moves away. Right now, it's LeBron's league, KD, Kawhi. It's their league. They own this league. The, 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 the National Basketball and Steph. Put Steph in there. Not fair to him. It's their league. That, this, that they are, they are the, the faces of the NBA. Luka Doncic is next. He's got next. Ahead of Giannis and ahead of anybody. Luka Doncic is ridiculous. There was one player in the history of the NBA who has scored more points in his first two playoff games than Luka Doncic. That was George Mikan in 1949. Google him. It's 20 years before I was born. Luka Doncic is spectacular. And he single-handedly has this team in serious trouble. Now, again, I believe in Kawhi. Paul George won't play that badly again. Jalen said to me today, they're... they're Their intestinal fortitude, their manhood has been challenged by this. Paul George was getting roasted on Twitter last night when he had a scoreless first half. He'll come out and play great. I still believe they'll win the series. But it's going to take them a while. And that sort of thing tends to compound itself as the postseason goes along. So are the Clippers in trouble? Yes. I believe they're in a level of trouble that the Lakers are not. 
Meanwhile, another quick thought on Luca and Porzingis and the Mavericks and what they are and maybe what someone else isn't. Jay Williams this morning on our morning show said this. I'm not worried about the Clippers as much as I am in awe of the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks are everything that the Philadelphia 76ers want to be. That's it. That's exactly right. The Dallas Mavericks are the process. The process worked in Dallas because they got the right guy. In Philadelphia, they kept getting the wrong guy over and over and over again. And they didn't have the infrastructure around even when they got the right guys. And now they're going to change coaches because they're getting humiliated in this playoff series with or without Simmons. But the reality is Simmons is terrific. He's a terrific player and he will be a perennial all-star. But Luka Doncic is going to be the best player in the NBA for the next 10 years. He may already be. If he isn't, he's damn close. So the Mavericks are exactly what the Sixers wanted to be. And I say that looking in part at my producer Cliff, who is from Philadelphia and is a crazy fan of all things Philly. And I feel your pain. I'm sorry for you. I'm a, a lifelong fan of the Knicks. So believe me, I'm staring up at you and everybody else. But the Sixers are in trouble. They're done. They're dead in their series. That's over. And it would be they wouldn't win this series even if they had everybody healthy. And I've thought for a while, and Jalen Rose was saying it from the day we launched Get Up, April 2nd, 2018, Jalen Rose said, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons should not be on the same team. They don't fit together. They're two pieces that don't fit together. They are a round hole and a square peg or whatever things there are that don't fit together well. I always get that one wrong, too. Anyway, they're that. Porzingis and Luka are perfect, and they are exactly what the NBA is going to be. Luka's a guy with the ball in his hands who is a magician who sees things before they happen, and Porzingis is seven foot three and shoots threes. He's got 35-foot range. You want to talk about the NBA of the 2020s. The Mavericks are the next team. They've got next. They may not win this series. They might. They might still fool around and actually beat the Clippers in this series. Wouldn't shock me. I still don't expect it. But even if they don't, they are the future. Way more than Philly is, more than anybody is. The the, the Mavericks are the future. And the Clippers right now are in trouble. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let me say one more quick thing about the NBA. Tonight is the draft lottery. I'll talk to Billis about that coming up in about 10 minutes. It's not nearly as eagerly anticipated, obviously, as last year because you don't have Zion. But the one thing I'll be most interested to see is, do the Warriors get the first pick? Or do they pick high? Do the Warriors wind up very high in this lottery? Because I don't know. We'll ask Billis because I will confess I don't really know. How significant is the drop-off from first to second to third to fourth in this draft? How high up do you have to be to get someone who's going to help you win a championship next year? Because if the Warriors should all come back healthy next year and add one more really meaningful piece, who knows what they could be? So that feels like the thing worth watching more than anything else in the draft lottery tonight. I mentioned Bill is coming up in just a few minutes. Bob Costas off the top of the next hour, my idol. A ton of things I want to get to with him. But in the meantime, I want to change... Briefly to something else, because the other subject that is of particular interest to me in sports right now is what's going on in college football. And and maybe part of this is because I went to school in the Big Ten. My daughter goes to school in the Big Ten. I I have have an affinity for the conference. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12, as you obviously well know, have decided they're not playing football this fall. And yesterday, the commissioner of the Big Ten released an open letter to the Big Ten community in which... He used the words, the decision will not be revisited. 
And I'll admit I was disappointed when I saw that because there was a part of me that sort of wondered and maybe even hoped that this Justin Fields movement and the play, the parents and everyone else who have been um, clamoring here, that they might be successful. They might convince the Big Ten leadership to revisit this decision. It's been made clear they will not. And here's what I will say about what has happened. Kevin Warren is being, he's the commissioner of the Big Ten. He's being heavily criticized in a lot from a lot of different directions. Here's what I will tell you. These are good people, and they are by no means stupid people. They just didn't get this quite right. They just didn't get the way this was communicated quite right. To make a decision of this magnitude, and I will agree with my friend Paul Feinbaum, who said probably the most significant decision in the history of college football to not play this season. That can't be something that isn't communicated clearly to your coaches, your players, and your families. All of them deserve total transparency and a full understanding of what went into the decision. And that brings me to my final point. I asked this question to Paul. I'm going to ask it to Billis, and I'm asking it to you. If the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC are able to play a season to its completion and crown a champion, is it automatically true that the Big 10 and the Pac-12 got this wrong? I don't know that it is. I don't know that it isn't. I'd like to know what you think. Use the hashtag Greeny, at hashtag Greeny. Tweet some thoughts. We'll read some of those. We're going to take some phone calls at the end of this hour, and I will ask Billis that question when he joins us in a few minutes. If they play a full season this year, does it automatically mean the Big Ten and the Pac-12 got it wrong? Check out ESPN Audio at home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at home is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service to financial assistance. Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. I'm ready for Jay Billis and David Shaw and Bob Costas. As we get going, it's Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Joining me now, one of my favorite guys. Busy tonight, draft lottery. Jay Billis with us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Hello, Jay. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's good to talk. And 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 before we get to the business there, I'd like to talk to you about what's going on in in college football right now. And anyone who follows Jay on Twitter and other places knows that you are one of the most insightful and interesting uh, opinionists when it comes to all things that involve the concepts of amateurism and the NCAA and all the rest of it. And so my, the question I asked here just a moment ago, I'd like to ask to you is, in your mind, if the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC are able to complete a football season and play a championship and, and it all comes together reasonably well, would it automatically be true that the Big 10 and Pac-12 made the wrong decision? No, that's a really good question. I think to, to unreasonable people that don't want to look at the, the entire picture, uh, they may be able to you know use that one thing and say, you know, because the SEC and, and the rest – were able to cobble together a season. Therefore, the Big Ten and the uh, the Pac-12 and all the other smaller conferences were wrong. And they're all making uh, different decisions. It's not all the same data. And I'm not sure the Pac-12, no matter what the protocols were, 
could pull this off simply because of the area of the country uh, where they are, that uh, that the, the spread and transmission rates are so high in California and uh, in Arizona that it may not be feasible uh, throughout the course of the football season. I mean, I, you know, my understanding right now, and look, I've not been looking at this state by state, but that USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal can't even practice. Even if they could go forward, decide to go forward to the season, they'd have part of their league couldn't even practice, and uh, and so it made, it made it difficult. Um, and I feel badly for everybody involved, but uh, you know we could be looking. But there, there are two things on it. We could be looking back and saying that that Kevin Warren and Larry Scott were ahead of the curve and made the right decision in advance everybody else. Uh, but but if the SEC, Big Twelve, ACC, God forbid, have some sort of catastrophe then they're going to have to answer for that. And that's, I think, what a lot of people are really worried about. The other question I have is, assuming the other conferences do play, and I'm going to talk to David Shaw from Stanford in just a moment here, um, do you believe that the players in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 should be allowed to transfer right now without hardship if there are places that are interested in bringing them in? Not to play this year. Um, it, it's a, a, a very unfortunate circumstance that you have a number of players that will not be able to play. Uh, but there, there's, there's certain aspects of this that just can't be helped. Uh, it, it's like, you know, you don't want to make this too simplistic, uh, but it's like if you have a canceled flight, you just don't kick everybody off the next flight just because the first flight got canceled and pile them into the next plane. Um, that's a real problem for other players that have made commitments to play, and all of a sudden they're going to have players piled on top of them. And, uh, and so I don't, I don't think that's a, a feasible, workable solution. Uh, you know there are tons of contradictions in this, and, and you know the, the Division I Council, I think, uh, uh, ruled yesterday that no matter how many competitions you have this year, they're not going to count them, you know, that kind of thing against your eligibility. Uh, which starts to pile players up in future years. And so it's difficult for incoming players that didn't think they were going to have to deal with certain certain players coming back. So there are a lot of problems that this is going to cause, and, and everybody's going to have to adjust. I think you're right. And I've said this so many times now, sometimes I worry that I'm repeating myself, but I think it bears saying once more, in a pandemic, there are just more questions than there are answers. And that's one thing that we've all figured out, I think, since March, and that continues to be the case here. I want to let everybody know Straight Talk Wireless has the full court cell phone coverage you need. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G for up to 50% less than the big carriers. Only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Meanwhile, Bill is with me here. You've got the lottery tonight. So we don't have Zion in this draft. and John Morant, some of these names who became household names, Give us the names of the two or three players. Now, let me rephrase that question. Where is the drop-off? If we're looking at where, where, what pick do you have to get tonight to get a player who you believe will be a significant difference maker on the next level quickly? Quickly is the, is the issue. Um, I don't think this is a great draft, Greeny. Um, there are some very good players and some prospects that have a have a chance to be to be very good players, but it's not a. There, there's no headliner to this one, kind of a must-see player, uh, certainly right away. And there are a lot of question marks that come with these players, but there are a lot of good options. So the, the top three, I would say, uh, consensus would be Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, who's a freshman, averaged about 20 points per game. Uh, but he's got some question marks. Like he's, he's wired to score, multi-dimensional score, superior athlete, kind of like an Eric Gordon type uh, of offensive talent. 
but uh, he's not a great decision maker. He's not efficient. He takes a ton of shots to score his points. Didn't get to the free throw line as often as that athletic body uh, should suggest. And, and not a great defender, kind of an indifferent defender, frankly. Uh, and then James Wiseman, who went to Memphis and played only two or three games before that NCAA issue kind of caused him to, to leave college basketball. Um, 7-1, left-handed, kind of a Chris Bosh type of talent uh, that I, I think the, – the only question with Wiseman is in today's game, is he going to be able – because he can shoot it. Is he going to be able to step away and really be a guy that can, can drop threes? I think he can do it, but it's going to be something he's going to have to work on. It's not an automatic, uh, but he knocks down over 70% of his free throws. You know, he rebounds at a high rate. He can block shots. Uh, so, he, you know, 10 years ago, he was the first pick, and it wouldn't have been much of a question. And then the, uh, I say the third is probably LaMelo Ball, who played in Australia professionally, Lonzo Ball's uh, younger brother. Um, he's a point guard that Mike Schmitz has said is the most talented prospect in the draft. Uh, very creative a- as a passer and uh, and good in pick and rolls and uh, but not a not a super dynamic athlete and he does not shoot the ball well um, he's got kind of a two handed release and and th- then you really start wondering in today's game you know if if you're not a good shooter because uh, because Anthony Edwards can shoot it his question is shot selection but he can shoot it. Uh, Ball does not shoot it well, and neither did his brother Lonzo, and uh, and you know that's been a that's been a problem for for Lonzo. Uh, so you're kind of picking, but but you know, Greeny, when you're asking like, there are going to be players further down in the draft that are going to maybe they'll have Donovan Mitchell type um, impact. You just you just don't know, like Tyrese Halliburton of of Iowa State or Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. There are going to be players like that that are going to surprise us. And it, the, the problem is throwing the dart at the right spot on the dartboard to find out who it is. And, uh, and I'm, not, I'm just not sure. There, there are a bunch of players that have a lot of ability and upside, but, but they also have a ton of question marks, which is not usually the case at the top of a draft. We'll start to find out tonight. Billis and company with you, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN for the lottery, and that will be followed by the Lakers playing game two against Portland, a game that LeBron and company need to win. Thank you, Jay. We'll enjoy it tonight. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Greg. Absolutely. That's Billis with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil Synthetic Motor Oils made from natural gas gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil, based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Coming up next, I will ask a coach from the Pac-12 if his players want to transfer and if they should be allowed to. That's next. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we are back. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, on TV, on ESPN News. And it is my pleasure to welcome into the program now someone who can add, I think, interesting perspective to a lot of the conversation that we've been having. He's the head football coach at Stanford, has been for a while, one of the most respected people in college football is David Shaw. Coach, thank you very much for spending a few minutes. How are you this afternoon? I'm great. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you as well. I, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about this on my television show in the mornings, and, and there are so many opinions. I went to school in the Big Ten, so I'm hearing a lot of that reaction from people. And there seems to be, um, at minimum, a lot of people questioning the way the decisions were made and the way they were communicated in the Big Ten all the way up to a lot of people who seem to be really angry about it. How would you characterize the reaction, by and large, throughout your conference to the decision that was made not to play this fall? Well, I, I can't I can't attest to anything that's going on in the Big Ten. Um, I've been fortunate. I've been on our Pac-12 working group uh, to solve the COVID issues. I've also been on the NCAA working group uh, to work with, through these COVID issues and return to play. So for us, we've tried to keep everyone in the loop, our, our players, our parents, um, we've gotten a lot of advice from the doctors. Our process, as many of these processes started, which is should we and can we play safely during a pandemic? Um, those are the two questions that, honestly, for me, still haven't really been answered. And when you bring up the, the, the potential heart abnormality, which isn't a guarantee, but it but caused a lot of doctors for to, to, to have some concern, um, understandably concerned, because this virus, we find out something new every single week that there are potential short and long-term issues with this virus. Um, on top of that, uh, were these neck gaiters that we're using and shields and masks. Um, there's no guarantee that those those mitigations can actually stop transmission of the disease uh, of this virus. And at the same time, um, contact tracing becomes very, very difficult. So if someone does slip through because we're tested only once a week or twice a week or three times a week and gets to a practice or gets to a game, everyone that that person has contact with now goes into quarantine for two weeks. That's a hard thing to look at going into a season um, and believing that you can make it all the way through. So you were a part of this and you have more insight into this than a lot of people I've spoken to. What was your reaction to the decision to postpone you personally? For me personally, um, once again, I'm in a lot of these meetings and we try to keep all of our players and their parents in, in, in close communication. I've said from the very beginning to all of our players, as a lot of our coaches did in the Pac-12, we are going to follow the advice of the doctors. That's, that's the, the best course that we can take for your, your short and long-term health. So as the heart abnormality came out, as we talked about these different mitigating factors, as we looked at the potential for starting to practice, and we cannot create a bubble in, in college athletics. And once again, we're talking just about football, but this is not just football. This is men's and women's soccer. This is women's volleyball. This is all of the fall sports. We cannot create a bubble on our team, let alone on our campus, let alone in our communities. So... We kind of saw the writing on the wall as this heart abnormality came out. We talked about these neck gaiters and these different mitigating factors that might not help us. We tried to let them know that, this, guys, this might not happen. So when the decision came out, what I, what I experienced from my, uh, my student-athletes was gratitude. Um, gratitude to our, our, our administration, gratitude towards our process to say, you know what, you made the decision not based on money. You made the decision not just based on getting everybody out there to play because we want you to play or you want to play. We made the decision based on the medical evidence that we have right now. And not that it's guaranteed, but the fact that we have so many things that are unanswered. And I hate not having answers 
for the young men that played for me. So what I experienced from my student athletes was a lot of gratitude. David Shaw, head football coach at Stanford, with me on ESPN Radio. I'm sure there are some uh, players, however, in your conference, as well as in the Big Ten, who feel their opportunity to get to the next level someday is being inhibited by this. What should a reasonable transfer policy be during this extraordinary circumstance for players who are interested in trying to go to a place where they can play this season, if indeed that that, that opportunity exists, because they feel like their their ultimate opportunity to play in the NFL depends on it? Well, two things for me. I, I want to dispel the, the, the myth that every single student athlete that's playing football, um, their only focus is the NFL, and they'll do whatever it takes to get there, um, leaving teams, et cetera, during a pandemic. Um, the big question to really uh, answer is why transfer for a maybe? Um, what gets lost in a lot of this is twice in the last week and a half, the chief medical officer of the NCAA has said something has to drastically change for there to be fall sports in college. That's a big statement from the, the man who's at the top of the food chain when it, goes, when it comes to uh, athletics. And yes, it's the heart abnormality. Yes, it's all these things. And, and I've heard multiple doctors say in the last you know, month that the worst thing that you can do in, during a pandemic is take a group of people from one location, travel to another location, engage with another 100 individuals in physical activity, and then travel back to your original location. Regardless of sport, that is not a great idea to do in the middle of a pandemic. So if something doesn't change in the next month, I don't know that the the ones that are, and God bless them if they can make it, I don't know, but the ones that are trying to play, I don't know they're going to be able to. Mm. David Shaw from Stanford with me. What are your thoughts on the possibilities of football in a different season? They call it spring football. I've seen some models where it might start as early as January, others where it would start later. What are your thoughts on that? I've resulted to calling it winter football. Um, I, I think the, the physical nature of this sport, um, the most important thing is not just when we start, but when we finish. Um, we, we have to recognize that the fall of 21 is still our primary focus, and we cannot affect our young men in such a way that they cannot get back for that fall of 21. So if, if we can play, once again, the virus will still have to change nationally for us to play in the winter anyway. But if we can start in January and maybe end in March, you can make a case by augmenting your, your, your on-campus spring football that if you finish in March, you can have a way of ramping your young men down, getting a good off-season work, and then starting to maybe train in June to truly get ready for September. To me, that, that makes sense. Anything later than March, I think you're going to have a hard time really convincing these young men, their families, and a lot of coaches um, that that's good for their bodies and good for the fall of 21, which still has to be our main focus. Mm, that, Coach, there's one other thing I'd like to ask you. It, it's been such an extraordinary time that we have lived through in, in so many ways, and, and many of the players in your conference, including on your own team, have been leaders through this. We have seen, uh, obviously, through the pandemic, through much of the, the social unrest involving issues of racial inequity and things like that that have happened. And I wonder if through this period you believe there are lasting changes that we might see to the structure of college sports as we have always known them? And if so, what you would anticipate those might be? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It's one of those completely unanswerable questions. But I will say this. Um, this has forced a lot of people to widen their gaze and look at a lot of things, not just in college athletics, but a lot of things that we're doing nationally. And one of the things I'm most proud of coaching these young Stanford men is them Getting, getting involved and letting their voices be heard and, and getting engaged um, and watching them mature uh, through these really difficult conversations. 
um, to, to many of them standing up for their rights uh, to, to have a safe environment and to have their voices heard and to be responded to from leadership. Um, I applaud that. I'm in college athletics to mentor young men and help them become uh, great husbands and fathers down the road uh, in whatever they play professional sports or not. Um, so I've been proud of how a lot of our young people have handled this situation. Um, they understand that this is a crazy, crazy, unheard of environment that we're in right now. And at some point in time, we will be on the backside of it. So all we can do during difficult times is learn and grow and band together and fight through it and get to the point where we can look back and say, man, that 20 season was unbelievable. All the stuff that happened, but we're better for it. Coach, that's really well said. And I will tell you that despite the fact that I went to Northwestern and you beat us soundly week one last year, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much for making the time. Please stay healthy and please take care of everybody there. And I hope we'll do it again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Rene. All right, that's David Shaw, head coach at Stanford. I'm Greeny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. All right, coming up next, I'm going to take some phone calls for the first time on this show. I would like a reaction to this. Jalen Rose said something on Get Up this morning, and I thought it was extremely well said. I'm going to ask TV to play that for me, if you would, please, here. This was Jalen Rose this morning on Get Up. As a, a, a conference, as coaches, if you want them to play, that's fine. But if other students aren't allowed to be on campus, that means you're now treating them like employees. And from what I know, employees get the opportunity, if they're not essential workers in theory, to decide in this climate if they feel comfortable of going to work or not. So therefore, if you want them to come to work, pay them. Pay them. And yes, therefore, if they're not being paid, You should be able to transfer. That's the question. If they're being treated on some level like essential workers and they're not being paid, should they be allowed to transfer? I'd like to hear your opinion. 888-SAY-ESPN is my phone number. Give me a call. We'll take your call coming up next. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Greeny, back with you. Time for the progressive Major League Baseball snapshot. Two big games on ESPN Radio this weekend. Saturday, first place Dodgers host the Rockies. Then on Sunday Night Baseball, first place Braves battle the Phils. It's brought to you by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. My phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN. I want to know what's on your mind. Jalen said it this morning. He said, if the football players in college are essential and they aren't being paid, how can you tell them they can't transfer? 888-SAY-ESPN. I'm coming to your calls in a minute. But Liam sent me this story. And I can't, I just, again, for those of you who don't know me, I want to give you an indication of my thoughts on certain things. Cleveland Browns cornerback Kevin Johnson has been hospitalized after he suffered a lacerated liver during practice. A lacerated liver. It then says he's expected to be in the hospital for another day for observation. A day? A lacerated liver? 
I feel like if I suffered a lacerated liver, I would first gather the media around me while lying on the practice field and announce my retirement, and B, I'd be in the hospital for at least a year. A lacerated liver. Doesn't even seem possible to me. This is just another example of how incredibly tough and insane you have to be to play football. All right, 888-SAY-ESPN. Jalen said, if the football players in college are essential and they're not getting paid, how can you tell them they can't transfer? I'd like to hear from you and hear what's on your mind. Chris, you're on ESPN Radio, my first caller ever. Chris, what do you think? Wow, first of all, I'm honored to be your first caller. Um, first, I think Jalen's assuming that they're employees to be essential, to then go to the essential step. They're not employees. They're not getting paid. If you look up the definition of employees, they're students. They're receiving the benefit of an education. It would be ridiculous to automatically deem them employees just because one segment of the student body is not allowed to come back to school, and this certain segment is allowed to come back. Well, Chris, let me ask you. Can I just ask you? Because I I, want to talk about it a little bit, and I don't have an enormous amount of time. If the rest of the student body is not there at North Carolina, the coach, Mac Brown, said it is better for our football players if the rest of the students aren't here. That means are you do you do you, if they're not students, then what are they? If they're not the same as the rest of the students and you want to say they're not employees, then what are they? Well, they are students. They're still students. They're in a program that is able to operate. There could be a program, let's say a. Um, deep sea diving program that is able to go and socially uh, be distant and and still go forward with their program. That's but, what but I'm Chris, saying. Chris, is I there think... any question but that the reason that this program is continuing to operate is because oh, of the oh, enormous no, amount of money? Of course, yeah. of course. Don't get me wrong. We know the real reason, right? But I think you can't automatically deem them that and get accepted as a as as employees. Is what I'm saying. But we know that what's driving it. What's driving it is the revenue. Absolutely. So should they be allowed to transfer? In your mind, should a player be allowed to transfer if he wants to in these circumstances? I I would say yes. It would be fair. But in my mind also, this is a pandemic that we're dealing with, so everybody has to suffer consequences. I agree. But if we can lessen that to a certain degree and mitigate that for the students by letting them transfer, I, I would be okay with that. But I think we have to keep in mind that we're all dealing with things that we're not used to all the different sports that have been canceled, you know, Wimbledon, the Olympics, people training for four years. Mm-hmm. So I think we do have to, I, I think we're coddling the, the football players a little bit because they're not, we're trying to make them not suffer what everyone else in the world has had to suffer from, but it's okay. If we can do that, we can do it. But if we can't, then we can't. That's why I don't condemn the PAC 12 or the big 10 for shutting it down. I, I you know, it, big picture. I'm, I'm looking at the big picture. I got that, you. We've all we've all suffered, uh, um, you know, some some things we would never ordinarily go through. That's true. But anyway, thanks, Chris. Thanks, I appreciate Chris, the call. Uh, Thank you, my man. I, I appreciate your calling it, and I don't see it the same way. But I appreciate the perspective. Um, I think that we should try to minimize the impact of this on everyone that we can, to whatever degree we can. Yes, obviously, all of us are making sacrifices and being impacted by the pandemic, but clearly. As much as we can mitigate those, I would assume everyone would want to. Uh, Tyron, I believe it is, is next on ESPN Radio. Tyron, what do you think? Well, Green, first of all, man, thanks for taking my call, man. You're my favorite dude when it comes to sports. Man. Thank you. Um, Green, I, I, no, I, I don't think – I disagree with Jalen wholeheartedly. And I, they're not employees. They're student athletes. 
you know, but my biggest thing about the whole situation is you need to stop putting this money before these kids' life, their health. No, none of them should be playing football. If one could play, all should play, or none should play. And no, I don't think they should be able to transfer. Okay, what happens in 2021 if we have a firefly epidemic? You going to change the rules again? No, 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 no. Look. Tyron, I think I lost you there, but but I, I appreciate the thought, and I, I think I understand where you were headed with that. And this is, a, again, I respectfully disagree completely. Um, this is not something that I think you look at it and say, well, what happens next year? I, I believe, I certainly hope, we are living through a once-in-a-century event. The magnitude of what is going on right now with the coronavirus pandemic cannot be overstated. This is something that we've not seen on planet Earth in almost exactly 100 years so I do think all rules go out the window. I think a pandemic is a time when all rules go out the window and you just do whatever seems to be in the best interests of the largest potential number of people immediately. And here's what I'd say. If it's not safe for them to play, then it should go without saying that they shouldn't play. I don't believe that the people who are, I understand how cynical we have become. And I certainly raise my hand. I, I, I can be as cynical as anybody else. I genuinely don't believe for a moment that any of these people making these decisions would be playing this game if they thought that these young men were going to die from playing it. I, I, I don't believe it for a moment. And if they, if they feel they cannot be assured of that, that they will ultimately not get played. Remember, all the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC have done is delay this. They haven't said, we're playing September 26th no matter what else happens. They've just said, we're not shutting it down yet. If they wind up playing, I believe it will be because they genuinely believe they can. Anyway, we see it differently. It's what makes the world go round. I'm glad that you called. I'm glad to know what's on your mind. It's brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. We will make sure to set aside time to do that regularly here because it's important that I don't just sit here behind this microphone and think that mine is the only opinion that matters. Yours matters just as much. Meanwhile, Bob Costas, who to me is the smartest person in sports, will answer a whole bunch of questions. He joins me live next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.